listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I am your host, Harry Simeon, and on this episode, we're going to be discussing the latest regarding Thomas Partey's fitness. We're going to be discussing a brand new transfer link. Brand new is probably the wrong term, but a new transfer link uh, that is doing the rounds. Emerged last summer, it's popped back up again. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that, and we're going to be reflecting on some of Mikel Arteta's comments following Arsenal's win over West Bromwich Albion at the Hawthorns on Saturday night. Big hello to everybody joining us live in the chat. Uh, hope you're all well. Welcome to the program. Don't forget before we get. Uh, into it. If you haven't already, smash the like button if you're watching us via YouTube or, or Facebook or Twitter or Periscope, wherever it is you join us from, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, right. Big hello to the guys in the live chat to Carrie, who says you were late. Yeah, I was a couple of minutes late. I apologize. Uh, to bad boy, to Omar, to Nithin, um, and uh, to Liam, who says, afternoon, Harry, hope you're feeling well. Much better. Thank you, mate, for asking. Really appreciate it. Um, let's discuss the news regarding Thomas Partey's fitness. Now, Mikel Arteta revealed that Thomas Partey is feeling good, but needs another couple of sessions uh, before he'll be in contention to play. So there is, reading between the lines, a very strong chance that Thomas Partey could be fit enough to be involved in our upcoming FA Cup tie next weekend with Newcastle United at the Emirates Stadium. Now, Thomas Partey, when he came into the side, I don't think anybody can deny he made an instant impact. He brought a new dynamism, a new physicality, a new dominance to our midfield. And unfortunately, fitness has been a bit of an issue for Thomas Partey since he joined the club. Picked up that that injury initially against Aston Villa, went off at halftime that day, was rushed back, in my opinion, for the North London derby against Spurs. And then we all saw what happened there. Thomas Partey having to come off again in the first half. Um, and it just felt like it was all a little bit rushed. And it was all a bit of a... I'm not going to say an unnecessary risk because Arsenal were in a really bad run of form. It was the North London derby. If there's a game that you do take a risk for, that is the one. And so I could understand why Mikel did what he did. Um, obviously, Mikel would have had data and information and medical advice uh, to go by that we as fans wouldn't have had access to. And we've got to understand that as well. You know, they spoke about it after they made the point that he came through the fitness tests. He came through this and he came through that. But no matter what you say, you, you can't replicate the intensity that goes into a game like a North London derby on a training ground. And so, you know, Thomas Partey breaking down, I don't think came as a major surprise to anybody. But as I say, um, Mikel Arteta has said that he is feeling good, but he needs another two or three sessions for us to be able to see if he's anywhere near uh, at 100% ready to returning to the side. Now, my personal view on this is I would not bring Thomas Partey back in the FA Cup game against Newcastle United. No matter how fit he is, no matter what the fitness tests say, uh, no matter what the situation is, I would not bring Thomas Partey back into the team for that game. I don't think it's important enough. And, you know, I know it's our cup and I know that we're defending our cup and obviously we don't want to let it go without a fight, without a battle. But for me, 
Thomas Partey has shown already in his short time at Arsenal, in the, the handful of games he's played, that he is a transformative player in the sense of he can completely transform our midfield and make it so much closer to what we need it to be. Add to that the fact that we seem to have found a bit of a better combination in the forward positions as well. And I think Arsenal could really, really be on the up with a fit and ready and firing Thomas Partey. And as I say, the FA Cup game just feels like a bit of an unnecessary risk for me. If I was Mikel Arteta, I'd be looking ahead to the game against uh, Crystal Palace, which comes up on the 14th. Uh, at the Emirates Stadium in the Premier League. That is the one I'd be aiming for with regards to Thomas Partey's return. So, yeah, that's um, that's that's my thoughts um, on the Thomas Partey thing. It is obviously encouraging that he could be back uh, sooner rather than later. It is encouraging that we're even discussing Thomas Partey potentially returning next weekend. But for me, Give him a break. Uh, you know, make sure that he is 100% fit before you throw him into a game. Um, Cal Sandu says maybe 20 minutes towards the end. Need to bring him in slowly. That's a shout. Um, that is a, a very fair shout. If Thomas Partey uh, shows good signs between now and the Newcastle game, why not have him on the bench? Why not give him 15, 20 minutes at the end to get up to speed, get that intensity um, back in his game ahead of that Premier League game with Crystal Palace? But as I said, I wouldn't start him. I, I, I just don't see it being worth the risk. I, I've watched Newcastle United on a few occasions this season. And if we pick a strong enough team, you know, no disrespect to Newcastle, but they're not very, um, they're not very good. They're not a side I, I'd be overly concerned about, overly worried about. And so I wouldn't risk Thomas Partey in that game. I, you know, great if he's available, great if he's in and around the squad, great if he's in contention, because as I say, he is a transformative player whom I would love to have um, available to us right now. But we saw what happened last time when he was rushed back and I'm just a little bit reluctant uh, to see that happen once again. Let's see what some of you guys are saying with regards to Thomas Partey in the live chat. Uh, Don Juan said Partey had one major injury at his time with Madrid, uh, during his time with Madrid, only to get an injury straight away at Arsenal. We have no luck. Yeah, completely agree. Um, you know, completely agree with that. Uh, Ilka says, hope you're feeling better, Harry. Happy New Year 2021 from Helsinki, Finland. Thank you so much, mate. Happy New Year to you too. Uh, big hello to Alfred. Um, I've already brought up Cal's comment about him maybe playing 20 minutes towards the end. Martin Naguna agrees with me. Uh, RE Partey. Uh, big hello to Chris Georgiou. Happy New Year, Harry and family. And to you, um, he says, come on, Arsenal. Uh, let's see. Bruce says, I totally agree with you. Don't rush it. Um, AFC 04 says, agreed, bro. We shouldn't bring Partey in. We should give him time to get 100% fit. Um, Mike says, the difference in recent games is the ability to press forward more effectively. Add Partey when fit and he'll add more dynamism. Like you said, Harry, nurse him back in slowly. So everybody is worried about an, another potential Thomas Partey breakdown. So everybody, I think, the general consensus here is that Newcastle was too soon for Thomas Partey, regardless of what the fitness tests say, regardless of what the data says. I don't want to see Thomas Partey on the pitch for Arsenal unless it's a 15, 20 minute cameo maximum. I don't want to see him on the pitch until the 14th of January in that Premier League game against Crystal Palace. That's my view. Um, and I'm uh, and from what I'm reading in the comments, a fair amount of you uh, agree with that as well. 
Let's look at some of uh, Mikel Arteta's comments following the win over West Brom. If you've got any questions that you want to get in the chat, get them in now and I'll pick those up after this little segment. Um, it is a little bit difficult to keep up with them when the chat is constantly updating. So now's the time to put the questions in. If you've already put one in and I've missed it, drop it in again now so that I'll see it. Um, just going to touch on a few of Mikel's comments. He made reference to the difficult weather conditions, I thought, on on multiple occasions uh, when sort of discussing that game. Um, really, really said, really, really, sorry, wanted to make that point, didn't he? And I think it's clear that in Mikel's mind, it was a massive concern. Um, you know, we all saw the snow coming down before the game. We saw the snow coming down during the game. The pitch was white at one point. Um, you know, it was, it was something that we haven't seen for years and years and years. And... Um, I was concerned, you know, you're always concerned about the pitch freezing over. You're concerned about players picking up injuries. And I think Mikel was very worried about it. I just get that impression from the way he spoke before the game um, and the way he spoke after the game. He was relieved, I think, to not only get the three points, but to come away from that game with no injury issues um, because of those conditions. And he, he constantly made reference to that, which suggests to me that it was a real, real concern uh, for Mikel Arteta. He described the performance as being close to what he wants, uh, but made reference to a few moments in which he felt that his team thought the game was won. So Mikel Arteta just highlighting what was probably, in his view, a little bit of complacency creeping in at certain stages of the game. Uh, fortunately, West Brom didn't punish us. They didn't have the quality to punish us, um, uh, you know, when they had their, their moments. But Arsenal were dominating for large parts. I thought Arsenal were excellent, but... You know, Mikel clearly, I don't know if he's just saying it to keep everybody on their toes or if he genuinely believes it, but he wanted to make the point, didn't he, that um, he, uh, he he did see this kind of attitude creeping in at certain points in which the players maybe thought that they'd won the game. And that's not something that he wants to see moving forward. He spoke about the Arsenal team uh, being closer to the idea that he wants Um and and obviously made reference to that and the fact that this team is is on its way to becoming what he wants it to be. We've had a really rocky start to the season. You know, we had a decent start with two wins, you know, a couple of dodgy results. Then we had, the, you know, we went to City, we went to Liverpool, we went to United, got all three points. And then after United, we entered in this really bad run of form. And it's been very like this, hasn't it? Up and down so far this season under Mikel Arteta. I know that the last two victories came against Brighton and West Brom, uh, but given that prior to those games, you couldn't see where a victory was going to come from. I think you have to be pretty pleased by what we've seen uh, from Arsenal of late and, and the progress that the team have made. Fingers crossed we continue in that rich vein of form. As I said, Newcastle United coming up next weekend in the FA Cup and then Crystal Palace in the Premier League. So, you know, there's 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 a real opportunity here for Arsenal to gather some momentum and and really push on and try um, and get closer to where we need to be, which is, in my opinion, challenging for the European places. Let's take some of your questions from the live chat, and then we'll just quickly touch on a transfer rumor that is doing the rounds today. Actually, let me do that first. Keep the questions coming. I can see the chat box is filling up nicely with those. Um, so keep those coming in. The transfer rumour is with regards to Valencia's Carlos Soler. Now, the report comes from El Demarc, which is a Spanish uh, media outlet who claim uh, that Arsenal could reignite their interest in Carlos Soler because of Valencia's uh, financial situation. Now, if you remember back to last summer, we were linked with a move for Soler. He's got five goals 
and four assists so far in just 12 La Liga appearances this season. So that's a pretty good return from Carlos Soler. But El Demarc described Valencia as being very vulnerable in the transfer market. And they say that they will consider any decent offers regardless of the damage that would do to their first team. So they recognise that Carlos Soler is a very, very important part of this Valencia side at present. But they also talk about the financial situation that Valencia find themselves in and the fact that as a result of that, they would be open to any decent offers. So this is an option that Arsenal could explore uh, if they're looking for an attacking midfield player in this January transfer window. Is he someone that Mikel Arteta likes? Not 100% sure. He's someone that Unai Emery was constantly linked with. But is Carlos Soler uh, the answer in Mikel Arteta and Edu's eyes? We'll soon find out, I guess, uh, with the transfer window now open. But that is uh, the report coming out of Spain. So Carlos Soler could very much uh, be an option for Arsenal in this transfer window. But stay Tune to the Chronicles of Aguna and we'll keep you up to date with all of that stuff uh, throughout the January transfer window. Two streams a day um, we'll be bringing you right here. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed and, of course, hit the like button. Whoops. If you haven't already, apologies there. Uh, almost dropped the microphone. <laughs> Let's see what you guys are saying in terms of your questions. Robin says, Harry, did you see the body language Oba had yesterday, even when we were 4-0 up? Disgusting. Seen a lot of people make comments about Aubameyang's body language um, in the aftermath of that game at West Brom. I feel like, yes, it wasn't ideal um, at certain points, but I feel like that's frustration. It's not Aubameyang not wanting uh, to score. It's not Aubameyang not caring, in my opinion. I think it's just pure frustration in the fact that his season hasn't gone the way he would have necessarily hoped, uh, considering the heights he hit last season and the season before that. So I do think that there is a bit of frustration coming through with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I know people would talk about the body language and, and I think when Mikel was talking about the team acting like maybe they'd won the game, perhaps some of Aubameyang's actions um, in terms of there was a back heel that he played and a really pedestrian bit of movement that I saw from him towards the end of the game. Perhaps that's the kind of thing that Mikel was referring to, but I'm not overly concerned by it. I do think that what you're seeing from Aubameyang right now is a, is a frustration. And as I said on last night's show, we all know what a top, top quality player Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is. And we all know that he will get back to scoring goals sooner rather than later. So I still have faith in the player and I, I'm not going to read into that, that kind of thing just too much at this point. Uh, Alex McCarthy says, Harry, where does this leave Nicolas Pepe? Well, at the moment, the performances of Bukayo Saka, of Emil Smith-Rowe, of Gabriel Martinelli, of Pierre-Emerick, no, I'm not going to say Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, of Lacazette, they leave Nicolas Pepe sitting on the sidelines watching in and, and that's where he needs to be. You know, at the end of the day, we'd all like to see you know, Nicolas Pepe do well at Arsenal. We'd all like to see him turn his career around and show the kind of form that earned him a move to the Premier League for such big money in the first place. But at the end of the day, the team has to come first. That's Mikel's job is to look after the team, is to make sure that the team are performing. And for me, if, you know, if somebody's doing a better job, then you leave Nicolas Pepe on the bench. He'll get opportunities. There's enough games. There's a Europa League campaign as well, in which he's featured very heavily so far. He's got to take the opportunities when they come along, um, you know, whether that be by somebody being injured, somebody being suspended, whether that be in, in the, the Europa League and the FA Cup. Nicolas Pepe will get opportunities this season and he has to take them and he has to give Mikel Arteta no choice but to bring him into the side. Nithin says, uh, Ozil in the FA Cup game squad, your thoughts? Can't see it. 
I, I've said it time and time again. I like Mesut Ozil as a player. I really do. But I feel like the relationship is broken, damaged, destroyed, isn't going to turn around. Um, and, and for that reason, I can't, um, you know, I just can't see how how he gets back into the squad. And and I think that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if we did hear this month of, of some kind of agreement uh, being put in place between Ozil and the club that sees him leave uh, between now and the end of January, because this can't continue. This can't go on. Um, yes, he's being paid handsomely, but, you know, at, at what point as a footballer do you prioritise playing football? I think that, that he's got to do that. You know, he didn't do it. You know, he, he stayed in the summer, was frozen out, um, didn't have the chance to go anywhere. So nobody could really point the finger at him and, and criticise him. He didn't have a chance to go anywhere um, once that summer transfer window closed up until now. But now there is an opportunity. And so if Messi does want to play football and the club definitely aren't going to use him again and definitely don't see him uh, as part of their plans for now and the, the rest of the season, then, then make some kind of deal, Arsenal, and let him go. Uh, let's see... What else you guys are saying? Liam says, did you catch Big Sam's post-match interview? If so, what were your thoughts? I've seen a couple of clips from it. He was absolutely rattled, wasn't he, when he was asked about his comments where he said that Arsenal were relegation rivals of West Bromwich Albion. He completely denied saying it, um, which is just typical Sam Allardyce, isn't it? And then he tried to turn it onto the reporter, suggesting that he'd been uh, misquoted and all of that stuff. We all heard it come out of your mouth, Sam. You're an embarrassment. You're a dinosaur. I hope West Brom get relegated solely because... And let's have this right. I don't have any issue with West Brom. I never have. But I want them to go down solely because they appointed this absolute dinosaur who worked his whole career to get a job like the England one and then just cocked it up by getting pissed in a pub and acting like a complete and utter twat. So, yeah, um, no time for Sam Allardyce whatsoever. Uh, Talal Ashur says, do you think Arteta would drop Marie for Gabriel? Interesting one, this. And it's a debate that uh, we touched on a little bit in our post-match reaction podcast last night um, following the game, whether whether we will see uh, Gabriel come straight back into the side for Pablo Marie. I think it would be harsh on Marie if he was dropped now. Other people have, have discussed the, the possibility of the pair playing together. I don't see that. And I've said it before. I'll say it again just briefly because I do believe that Mikel is very keen on having a right footer and a left footer. I said it again last night, you know, you've seen partnerships of two right footers, two left footers work in the past. Uh, you know, John Terry, Ricardo Carvalho is always the one that comes to my mind. Vidic and Ferdinand at Man United is another one. Um, so, you know, Toure and Campbell is another one during the Invincibles time. So it can work. But I think with the way that Mikel likes to see his team play out from the back, I think his preference is to have one of each. And it depends, you know, will he, will he really nail down on that? preference will he really want to make sure that he gets that that is that is it that important to him I guess is the point I'm trying to make to have a right footer and a left footer or will he make an exception if both centre-backs are performing we're going to have to wait and see but right now for me you don't change a team that's performing very well and it's unfortunate because Gabriel hasn't played badly and we're in a situation now where he's had to miss out on a few games because of um, him being in contact with someone who tested positive for COVID and, and then him uh, subsequently testing and all of that stuff. It's unfortunate, but that's just the way football works. If someone comes in and does a good job, then they shouldn't be dropped. And that's how you build a culture at a football club. And Mikel talks about that 
all the time. That's how you build culture. That's how you keep people on their toes. That's how you keep people performing at a high standard. So it would be extremely harsh to drop Pablo Marie now, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Carrie says, should they play free at the back so they could play Marie Holding and Gabriel together? Not for me. We've seen a far better balance to this Arsenal side over the last three games. And that's come with having a, a two-man pivot, with having a number 10 and with playing a back four. I think there will be times in game, maybe, um, you know, you might get towards the end of a game where you're looking to consolidate what you have or, or to hold on to what you have. And, and then switching to a back three is an option. And we've shown under Mikel Arteta at times that we can play that way. So it's great to have that in the locker. But for me, it's not the way to start games. Um, so, no, I, I would prefer to see a back four and I'll switch to that maybe in game in certain scenarios, if that's what what the situation requires. Rahul says, would you take Oba out for the next Premier League game so that he can come off of the bench to get his form? Tough one, this. Um, again, I feel like I'm going over old ground, so I don't want to dwell on this too much in terms of repeating what I said yesterday. But I feel like because of the way Arsenal worked so hard to get Aubameyang to sign that new contract, they feel a loyalty to him, particularly Mikel Arteta. He feels like he, um, he owes him. He feels like... By him staying at the club, he, it automatically means he should be in the side week in, week out. And I do fear that Mikel is going to try and shoehorn him in at times when it's probably not the right decision for the team. I don't think he'll start on the bench. I, I really don't. I think Mikel will find a way more often than not of, of keeping Aubameyang in the side. I really do. Uh, Martin says it was great to hear Tierney dismissing the weather conditions. He said that he's used to cold weather in Scotland. Good to see warriors out there in the era of footballer snowflakes. I like what you've done there. Uh, Liam says anybody who doesn't smash the like button is a Tottenham fan. Agreed. Hit the like button if you haven't already. Uh, let me just pick out a few more questions at random. Shiro says, what would you do with Chambers? I would try him as a DM to free up the rest of the midfielders. Thought he never played that at Arsenal. I would keep him still. Callum, Rob, Gabby, Pablo, Saliba to stay. Callum Chambers has just got to get fit right now. Um, you know, when, when players come back from such long-term injuries like that, they've been out the picture for such a long time. You know, for a manager to all... You know, a manager's been planning without him and working without him for such a long time. It's now very difficult, in my opinion, to just go... Callum Chambers is back in the picture. Let's slot him in here, there or wherever. I, Callum Chambers has to prove his fitness first and foremost. And like Nicolas Pepe, he will get opportunities in the cup competitions, I, I'd imagine. And he will need to take those opportunities when they come along um, and, and show Mikel Arteta that he can do a job. He can also do that on the training ground. We know that Mikel is not somebody who disregards the work done on the training ground. There are a lot of managers who you know, have admitted over the years that they have players who train better than others, but those who deliver on the pitch on the match days are the ones who be prioritised. I, I don't see that with Mikel Arteta. I think training for him is a massive, massive thing. And I think he will uh, do whatever he can um, to to reward players where possible if they're, tr they're, they're training well. And, and so you've got to trust in Arteta that he's going to give people the opportunities when they deserve them, when they show that they deserve them. So, um, yeah, he's just got to be patient, Callum Chambers, he, he, similar to a lot of players at the moment. We know the squad is massive. You know, we know that Mustafi's probably going to be off. We know that Socrates is going to be off. And once all of those guys are gone, then obviously doorways open, don't they, for the likes of Callum Chambers. 
Chris Brown says Oba was just gutted he couldn't get on the score sheet and that early chance he missed played on his mind just a bit out of sorts that's all he'll bounce back yep going back to the Aubameyang thing I think you're absolutely right um I think you're absolutely right. And Graham leaps to the defence of Aubameyang as well. He says, leave Aubameyang alone. It was only a few weeks ago we were talking about lack of threat, <laughs> i.e. Lacazette. And now he's a world beater. Oba will come again. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think we need to chill out a little bit on the on the Oba thing. Um, really do. Um, apologies if I'm skipping over some of your comments. It's purely because um, it means that whatever you've commented or asked about is something that I've touched on already. Um, and I just conscious of time and, and, and repeating myself over and over again. Uh, so if I do skip past your comment, that is why. Um, and it's not because I'm not reading them. I am skimming through all of them as I always do. Um, let's pick up this one. This is an interesting one. And while I address this one, make sure you let me know in the live chat where it is right now that you are joining us from spam the chat box now and i'll give you all a shout out between now and the end of the stream in a few minutes time so uh, fill up the chat box with where it is you are joining us from and um yeah thank you so much uh nithin says is ainsley better than hector at the top end of the pitch i don't think he is i, I really don't I look i think bellerin has good and bad games i think Maitland-Niles has good and bad games. I don't think any of them are world-class, if that makes sense. I don't look at any of those two players and go, wow, um, you know, they need to play week in, week out. They're that good. I, I just don't think that about either of them. I do think Bellerin, though, going forward, is, is probably a little bit more effective. I think he makes cleverer runs. Um, and I think he makes the type of runs that, that Mikel Arteta wants to see. When Mikel's been talking about young players in recent weeks. And, and there's been a lot of praise directed at the likes of Smith Rowe, at the likes of uh, Saka and the rest of them. Um, you know, you kind of, you, you always, Mikel always goes back to that point, doesn't he? That the senior players have to be uh, helping them through that. The senior players have to be guiding them through that. And I think he sees Hector Bellerin as one of the natural leaders in this side. Whether you agree with that or not is a completely different matter. But I think that's how... Mikel sees Hector and I don't think he sees much difference in the talent between the two and on that basis he goes with Hector I think Hector's been effective in attacking situations of late I really do I think he gets in the right positions I think he plays clever cutbacks and I think he's been pretty good um yes he's had a bit of a blip at times he I think three or four games ago he had a really shitty period but I don't look at Ainsley Maitland-Niles and think he's an unbelievable footballer and he should be ahead of Hector Bellerin. So I haven't really got an issue with with Bellerin being selected ahead of him. I feel like Maitland-Niles is useful more because of his versatility than him actually being outstanding in one position. And that's a bit of a shit position to be in as a footballer because maybe your career won't hit the heights that it could because you don't have a specific nailed-on position. Maitland-Niles will tell you he's a midfielder. I don't see it. Um, I, I really don't. And and for me, I've got no issue with either of them playing, but I think Hector right now just edges it. Let's take this one from Mike because it's a really good question and I'm sure uh, people are wondering what is going on with this situation. Uh, and that is the situation regarding William Saliba. Now, I'll give you guys sort of my rundown and my understanding of what is happening with regards to William Saliba. William Saliba obviously signed from St Etienne, loaned straight back to the French outfit for the season. That deal came to an end. There was a little bit of back and forth between the two clubs. St Etienne wanted him to play um, 
in the final after his uh, St Etienne contract had expired. Arsenal didn't want that to happen, A, because they didn't want him to get injured uh, and B, because it would have meant that they had to pay uh, some sort of fee to St Etienne for William Saliba playing X amount of games. So there was a lot of uh, back and forward about that. I understand that the player wanted to play um, and there was a little bit of a, a back and forward with that. Then William Saliba comes to Arsenal, joins up with the squad in the eyes of the current coaching staff, who, let's remember, had no hand in signing William Saliba. William Saliba's signing was done during Unai Emery's time, was done when Raul Sanlei was calling the shots uh, in the back room. So this is not a Mikel Arteta signing. This is not uh, a signing that he and his coaching staff have put their heads together and decided would be one that that they'd want to do. Saliba comes to the club. Arsenal look at him, Mikel Arteta and his staff look at him and decide that actually William Saliba is not quite at the level required in their eyes. He hasn't necessarily developed um, in the way that they thought he would have in that year or that the previous regime thought he would have in that year that he spent back on loan at St Etienne. And that's very much where where Mikel Arteta and his staff are at. There's There's been no denial of that. Um, we know that William Saliba experienced some personal problems, um, the loss of his mother. And, and we're talking about an 18, 19 year old kid here. Don't underestimate how much of a, an impact losing a parent would have on someone of that age. Um, it has an impact on anybody of any age. So, you know, at 18, 19 years old, having to go through that and then having to move to a foreign country shortly afterwards, I think was probably very, very difficult for William Saliba. But being left out of the squads, I think, has been a little bit of a kick in the balls. And when we talk about the likes of Mustafi, uh, you know, and, and various others who have who are destined to leave the club in the summer, but were included in the squad, William Saliba probably has a right to look at that and think, well, this guy ain't even going to be here. I'm supposed to be part of Arsenal's future. That's how it was sold to me when I signed for the club. And now I'm nowhere to be seen. I'm not even in the picture. You can understand why Saliba may be a little bit frustrated. He wants to play football. It's no secret that he and his representatives are very open to a loan move or even a permanent move away from the Arsenal because my understanding right now is that William Saliba and his representatives feel like he's been mistreated by the football club. Now, Mikel Arteta's got to make tough decisions. Mikel Arteta sees this guy in training every day. And it irritates me when I hear Arsenal fans going, Saliba should be playing every week. How many of you actually sat and watched Ligue 1 last season and watched uh, William Saliba playing for St Etienne? A handful of you, I'm sure, if that. So to a degree, you've got to trust in the manager's opinion. He do obviously doesn't think that he's ahead of Gabriel. He doesn't think he's ahead of holding Louise, Marie, um, you know, Mustafi in, in his current form. Will he go on to be a better player? Will he go on to be an Arsenal future centre-back? Who knows? If he stays at the club, maybe. But right now, he's in a situation, William Saliba, where he needs to be playing football. He wants to be playing football. And it looks increasingly like that's not going to be at the Emirates Stadium. Whether it's going to be a loan or a permanent deal remains to be seen. I can't, in this current climate, imagine anybody coming and tabling a bid, anything like what Arsenal paid for him. And so for me, a loan feels like the most... Um, the most uh, likely solution to this uh, to this issue. So that's probably gone on a little bit too long there, but thanks for the question. Really good question. Um, it's a really complex situation, and I think this is one to really keep an eye on uh, in the next month or so. Will Saliba leave the club? If so, where will he go? And will it be on a permanent deal or on a loan deal? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, 
Let's give you guys a big shout out in the live chat. Graham joins us from Paul. Uh, Nithin from Sweden. Tevin from Jamaica. Talal joins us from Saudi Arabia. Carrie joins us from Finland. Mark's in Kent. Uh, Jared joins us from Bermuda, also watches on 90 Min. Thank you so much, mate. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, Rajiv joins us from Nepal. Uh, what else have we got here? Just, um, I've lost, I've lost where I was in the comments. Here we go. Um, there we go. Uh, Archie joins us from Portsmouth. Uh, we've got uh, Vancouver, Canada. Where else have we got? Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, just going through your Ainsley Maitland-Nars comments. A lot of you actually saying that you'd rather see Ainsley Maitland-Nars in the side. Um, and some of you questioning my opinion on Hector Bellerin uh, going forward. Um, yeah, I, I think he is effective. I, I really do. I, I really do. Um What's this? Uh, Osman Ali says, Harry, you've been around media people in stadiums and probably met ex-footballers. I have. Um, have you noticed a bias towards Man United? Because for me, watching on my TV, it seemed that way since the mid-90s. Yeah, I have. Um, and I, I had a little rant about it, didn't I, on the podcast the other day? Um, because because I do feel like that bias is there. And I mentioned the, the example of Gary Neville, actually, um, when he was talking about Paul Pogba winning a penalty, but the week before he slagged off Kieran Tierney for doing the same thing. I expect a bit of bias from Gary Neville because he's a Man United legend and all of that. But it's the, for me, it's not even the fact that, that Gary Neville's biased. It's the fact that the producers, the people that run the channel, the people that are in charge of the content allow that kind of bias to come through and pick a Man United guy on a Man United game. And I know they think that he's offering insight uh, by doing that. But where's the insight for an Aston Villa fan? You know, you know, it, it's always been geared Sky Sports towards Manchester United and Liverpool, in my opinion, always has, always will be. Um, and, and I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to entertain any dispute about that because I genuinely think that's the case. And I have done for years and years, way before I even got into this line of work or doing anything like this. Uh, Niron joins us from Antigua and Barbuda in the Caribbean. How you doing, mate? Rickson joins us uh, from Nigeria. Uh, Jay-Z says, what are your opinions on AFTV? Always a touchy subject, this one. Look, I don't have an issue with AFTV. They do what they do. You know, they can do what they want. Um, I've been on AFTV before. Um, I've done one fan cam after a game. Um, and I've been on a couple of their studio shows, which are uh, very different in terms of the the layout and the fact that it is a bit of a debate, um, a little bit calmer. I think there are characters on AFTV that play up to the camera. Um, but I do think that as a concept, it was a great concept. And you can see by the size of it, that it's very, very popular. Not my cup of tea necessarily, because I like karma. Um, I'm not going to say more informed because that's disrespectful to some of the people on there, but I like karma and more rational discussion rather than immediate mad reaction after a game. That's just my view, but each to their own, they do their thing. They do it well. And, and, and that's it. You know, I haven't really got an issue. If you don't like it, don't watch it. You know, simple as that. Um, big hello to a, who joins us from Melbourne, Australia and to Rowinda Singh, who joins us from Canada. Uh, thank you so much. We've also got, uh, Samson joining us from Sierra Leone and, uh, Harish from India. Uh, Talal asks, when is the gas tank coming back? I'm not hundred percent sure, mate. I'm not the man to ask, uh, necessarily. I'm just one of the panelists, but, um, 
I'm sure it'll be back this week. I, I can't imagine it not being back. I think there probably would have been a little bit of a break between Christmas and New Year's. Perhaps some of the guys were off. I don't know exactly, but I'm sure um, it'll be back on your screens very, very soon. So stay tuned for that and uh, make sure you subscribe to Nighty Min and that way you'll never miss a show. Uh, right. That brings us to the end of this live edition of the podcast. Thank you all so much for your support once again. Um, don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a five-star review if you're listening via the audio. We'll be back tonight with our second stream of the day discussing all things Arsenal and some of the action from the Premier League today. So until then, take care. Thank you so much. Cheers. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.